everyone, and welcome to Sample Size. The only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. I'm your other host, Wildcard Cameron. So what's in the news today, Sam? Well, today we're talking about a new Alzheimer's medicine that was approved by the FDA and how that drug is controversial. Oh, man, a controversial drug? We haven't heard anything about something like that in the past year at all. (laughs) All right, so I'll go over what is this new drug, why is it controversial, and why did the FDA go ahead and approve it? And at some point, we're going to explain how Alzheimer's works, right? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm not going to understand anything that comes next if I don't understand how Alzheimer's works. Kind of, yeah. Not getting too specific, but... All right. Well, let's jump in because I got I got weird Sunday energy. Okay. All right. Well, on June 8th, the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, approved a new drug called aducanumab, or aduhelm, as it will be marketed, that's used to treat people with Alzheimer's. So this new drug works by reducing the brain plaques called beta amyloid that build up in the brains of those with Alzheimer's. And scientists think it is these brain plaques that actually cause the decline in memory and thinking seen in those of Alzheimer's. It's weird to think about how Alzheimer's is a disease that happens because your body gets bad at taking care of itself, which now that I say that out loud, it's like how all diseases work. Yeah, that's not weird at all, Cameron. (laughs) Please go on. I'm the fool. (laughs) No, it's so beta amyloids build up basically like they are waste products from your cells doing normal stuff like your brain cells. It's weird to think about this. Stuff goes in, they do chemical processes, stuff comes out, and that's how your brain makes, like, neurotransmitters and all the stuff that allow you to think, right? Yeah. This is the super simple Yeah, that's basically right. Yeah. But obviously, like, much like your house, it's not great if the garbage sticks around and piles up and makes it hard for you to live your life. (laughs) And your cells in your brain work roughly the same way. So as beta amyloids build up in your brain, they inhibit your brain's ability to do what it's been doing your whole life, which causes the decline that we've come to classify as Alzheimer's. Yes, and through research, scientists have figured out that in patients who have Alzheimer's, they tend to have a buildup of this brain plaque in their brains, and also their brains will be inflamed in certain areas. It'll start, I think usually starts in like the hippocampus area, and then it expands You may have to look that part up exactly. Don't at me. But scientists theorize that it is these brain plaques that are really causing the disease. And so the theory is that by reducing these plaques, then the memory issues, the cognition issues that is associated with Alzheimer's will decline or will be better. (laughs) Yeah, like every single day of your life, this process is happening in your brain And like when you sleep and stuff, your brain is literally cleaning itself of these beta amyloids. But obviously Alzheimer's patients have some sort of deficiency or just from age can't clean up these nasty plaques as well as the rest of us can. And so this drug is supposed to help by targeting that plaque and thus helping – well, I guess you can't undo the damage to Alzheimer's but helping stave off the damage of Alzheimer's? In a way, yes. It gets kind of – fuzzy on that point. So so let's get into the actual, like, what is this thing? I just I felt like I needed that primer just to make sure I wasn't wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. That's great. Yes. So this new drug is very exciting because it targets those brain plaques. And it's the first Alzheimer's drug going to be on the market that does this thing, which is the big underlying theory for how Alzheimer's work. But we haven't been able to put into practice if reducing the brain plaques will actually help patients with Alzheimer's. So that's where this drug comes in, is trying to put that link together. 
And that's kind of how we get into controversy. Oh, and this drug is also very exciting because it's the first new Alzheimer's medicine approved by the FDA since 2003. All right. So it sounds like we've spent a lot of time. I'm really curious what the current drugs are doing or how they work because I don't know a lot about Alzheimer's. But this is like the one thing I do know about it is that beta amyloids, like people think beta amyloids cause Alzheimer's. So if this is the first drug that targets that, what have the other drugs been doing? And there was kind of a reason for that because of the beta amyloid theory, it goes back, well, it goes back a long time, but drugs take a while to get developed and to get proven and to get approved by the FDA. So that's why we've been hearing about this theory for 20 years, but we haven't had an actual medicine to test this theory, really. Yeah, it must also be just like weird because I know that, especially for brain medicines, they usually have to test them a lot on like, you know, mice and other animals because like it's a human brain. It's not like you could like easily go in and fix that, right? Oh, well, yes. The, the very first step in developing new medicine would, of course, be animal models. And then mice is the typical model used for medical research because, weirdly enough, mice have like the same <laughs> – this is going to sound weird. They have basically the same genes as humans, just chopped up in different orders. So it's really nice – to study things in mice because it usually correlates of how things will happen in humans. Yeah, and like mice like cheese. I like cheese, so it makes sense. It tracks. <laughs> okay, well, let's get let's get back to this new drug. And Cameron, I'm sure you're wondering, why is this new drug controversial since I just start, like, after all the praises I just sung about it? Where's the controversy? Thank you, Sam. I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I stay up at night, all night, for hours. It's like 3 a.m., wondering to myself, Staring at the ceiling, why is this drug so controversial? <laughs> why won't anyone tell me? Finally, we're getting the answers. <laughs> okay. Well, back in November, an FDA advisory committee of medical experts voted against approving this drug. So you may not know, but part of the approval process for a new drug is for the evidence of its effectiveness from clinical trials to be reviewed by an expert panel filled with experts from government and private industry and usually of different, like, backgrounds, races, gender, etc. And typically their opinion coincides with whether the FDA approves or doesn't approve something. So in this case, 10 of the 11 members of the expert panel concluded that the new drug did not have enough evidence showing that it slowed the progression of Alzheimer's. So there have been two major studies on this drug— the Emerge and Engage studies, those are acronyms. I did not actually look up what the acronyms stand I for. I absolutely <laughs> despise acronyms. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate it's, them so much. It's a, for, 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 like, medical studies and, like, public health studies, it is an art form to come up with acronyms for your study. Because every – I just – I got to go on this rant. For some reason, every study – has to have a nice acronym, and they sometimes they are outlandish for how they come up to this word. But I did not look up if this is actually outlandish or it makes sense. No, I, could, I could go on a whole tangent about how, like, everywhere from academia to, like, medicine to law, they use acronyms to completely screw up how people think. Like, the Patriot Act and the Freedom Act are both acronyms. Oh, that's right. Even the word act in them is an acronym. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. I know. And they use them to do the exact opposite of patriotism and freedom. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. And it's the same thing every – okay, you know, I can't do this. Go. Go. Just go. All right. Go, go, go. All right. So the two studies that were done on this drug, the Emerge and Engage studies. 
So while both showed a reduction in brain plaque, only the eMERGE study found that the drug slowed the disease progression. So despite this panel recommending not to approve this drug, the FDA still went ahead and approved this drug. And it seems that the FDA was pushing hard to get it approved. Like some of the experts on the panel reported that the FDA asked them to focus only on the positive study and presented the data analysis that was really favorable for the drug. So as you can imagine, some of the panel members were not happy about that or the approval, and so much so that three of them have since resigned from the board. Yeah, I know there's a lot of just this is a problem in research in general is people will plan to start with one specific idea and then based on the results, they'll go back and retool their hypothesis or whatever to completely focus on that new finding, even though that's not what they were focused on in the first place, just to make it look like things were better than they were. Yeah, that's not really what's happening here. But that is a thing that does happen in research, and that is a very bad thing that you should never do. (laughs) Mainly what's happening here is these clinical trials, you can think of the big thing they want to prove that the drug is doing, the end point, you say, is that the disease progression of Alzheimer's is slowed. So you can kind of see clinically that would be people's memory or cognition isn't getting worse from Alzheimer's. And that would be the endpoint. The drug works by reducing those brain plaques. So you can also study if you can, like, scan people's brains that are in these studies and you can see, oh, did the brain plaques get reduced? Like, is the drug working in that way? And so that you can think of as, like, a secondary endpoint in a way. In this case, I was going to get into this a little later, but I'll say it now. The FDA kind of considered that a surrogate endpoint. And so now I got to explain what a surrogate endpoint is. Oh, my God. This is I'm already lost. (laughs) All right. So let me get back on track. So think of these studies were trying to prove that the disease progression of Alzheimer's slowed. Okay, that's what they were measuring with these clinical trials. Let me step back for a second. Make sure I get this. Somehow they were measuring people's mental cognition and trying to track its decline over time because of Alzheimer's. They they had some way to just check that a person, like, had those faculties about them. Yeah, in some way they were checking to see if, like, you know, the memory loss, the cognition stuff, being able to do daily tasks weren't getting worse. Which, judging by my own memory, seems like a monumental task, but yes. And so now they're trying to say, all right, we have a correlation between the amount of plaque and the decline in memory. So if we reduce the plaque, we should still be able to see a diminishing decline in memory. In a way, yes. So these trials were measuring if Alzheimer's was progressing in these patients or not. Like if those memory, those cognition issues were getting worse in these patients. One of the studies actually found that the disease was not getting worse. The other study, however, didn't find it. Like it didn't find a difference between Mm. the placebo group and the drug group. Okay. Which – I could get into a whole thing about in statistics, like not finding a difference isn't the same as proving that there is no difference, but they didn't have the evidence there to show that the disease wasn't progressing in the drug group. However, what they could show was that the brain plaque was reducing. And so the theory on Alzheimer's is that if the brain plaque is being reduced, then eventually over time, the disease will stop progressing and these people will the patients will get better or at least not worse. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that's where surrogate endpoint comes in. So sometimes in clinical trials, what you can do 
when approving a drug is that you'll have a surrogate endpoint, it's called. So it's basically saying, okay, this scientific thing, this thing I can measure, I think that is highly associated with like the clinical outcome of a disease progression. You can kind of think of this with like high cholesterol. So you could, let's say a drug is trying to reduce the amount of bad cholesterol in your system. That would be a surrogate endpoint to the end endpoint, which is really you're trying to reduce like heart problems or risk a stroke because that's all the things that happen from the buildup of fat. Actually, that's a good point. Now that you mentioned like plaques and cholesterols, like that's it's weird. That's like it's like heart disease for the brain. Because you build you know, way, too much yeah. plaque <laughs> in your heart, you have heart problem. You build up too much plaque in your brain, you have brain problem. You build up too much plaque on your teeth, you have teeth problem. Okay. Plaque is the real enemy. <laughs> War on plaque. Okay, but so a surrogate endpoint is something that should be highly associated with your actual outcome that you want to see, but it isn't that. It's just associated with it, but something that you can measure now because some of those other endpoints you can't really measure. So that's where it gets kind of controversial with using a surrogate endpoint in something because then you think, oh, maybe that surrogate isn't actually associated with the clinical outcome. And so <laughs> Yeah, I could see how if I <laughs> This okay, is really where yeah, the controversy let me, let me, is. Let me step back and see if I can try and turn this back into something I might understand. Okay. Basically, it's trying to redefine the win condition. It's like money playing a game where I've determined that I need this many like victory points or whatever to win that board game. Yeah. And then suddenly we've decided like most of the way through the game to decide that this worthless thing I'd been collecting on accident suddenly matters more than it does. And obviously this is like very scientific and very clinical. But the point of my oversimplification is to say I feel like the people on the panel were probably annoyed that they were trying to pass this drug by redefining the win conditions of this drug working. Yes, that is wow. That is a great simplification of this exact problem. Oh my god, problem. I got there. I got there. That was like, yeah, that's that would be really annoying if I was playing Udo and suddenly the entire point of the game was to have two cards instead of no cards. Yeah. Okay, so you're probably wondering why did all this happen? You know, what was the FDA doing, and why did the FDA go ahead and approve this drug? Yeah. Because right. I just described how they changed, they moved the goalposts. They, yeah, any, they moved the goalposts. Any, any idiom you want, about how they All completely right. changed how they were doing stuff. Well, it goes back to the thing I said at the beginning of the episode about this being the first new Alzheimer's medicine since 2003. And several politicians and Alzheimer's patient advocacy groups have been pushing for years for more treatments and have been eagerly waiting for this new drug. So for some context, Experts estimate that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's, and it's ranked as the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. So having a new treatment for this incurable disease, it's exciting. And I'll read you a quote from the Alzheimer's Association. Quote, This is the first drug that slows Alzheimer's disease, and this is the beginning of a completely new future for Alzheimer's treatments. This is a new type of Alzheimer's treatment. It addresses the disease in a way that has never been done before compared to currently approved drugs. Yeah, this seems like a real trying to treat the cause, not the symptoms. Because I feel like a lot of drugs that get approved, they don't do a great job of addressing the underlying cause because we don't understand the underlying cause of some diseases. Like, does McDonald's really cause heart disease? We can never know. We need to support the big burger lobby. But here, we focused very much on there is this theory, this thing that we've been researching, and there's like 
I don't know a lot about the drug, but I know that the scientific community has a high confidence in the correlation between beta amyloids and declined brain function from Alzheimer's. Yeah. So, like, imagine knowing for the longest time that we know, like, this was most likely causing a problem and not being able to do something about it because of, in this case, it feels more like bureaucracy, but it's, like, very legitimate bureaucracy. It's not like we're just making this up because we feel like it's, we need to protect people (laughs) who are going to be on an experimental drug. Yeah, it's when, it sometimes can happen with research where it gets frustrating, where it's like, it's like you swear you know the answer, but, like, the study just isn't proving it. And mm. so you have to, like, try again and keep going. And then maybe – and then, like, it'll happen. But it's just – yeah, it's that process. It's the scientific process that's there to protect people from having drugs that don't work at all being approved. So, again, why did the FDA approve this drug? Well, kind of for the reasons I said, there's a lot of excitement around this drug and it's a needed thing because we need a new Alzheimer's treatment. So that's really why the FDA changed that goalpost, as you (laughs) said earlier. And they put this drug on the accelerated approval pathway, which is meant to like speed access to potentially valuable therapies for those with serious diseases to serve an unmet need. Okay, so it's literally... We've stagnated in this field and something's better than nothing. In a way, yeah, that's that's a good way to to see it. So from the FDA's perspective, they think the benefits of this new drug outweigh the potential risks of using it. I mean, I feel like that's – I almost hate to compare it to COVID, but like I feel like that's a similar thing with COVID, which is like, well, we had nothing and people were dying. So something that might be dangerous is better than nothing that's still killing people. In a way, yes. And now we will get to the downsides of having this drug approved. Ooh, there's so many, I assume. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going I was going to say, this. you don't know. I haven't told you anything. You literally haven't. I don't even know anything about how this drug really works to, like, clear beta amyloids or anything. But let's go. All right. Well, first, there are actual risks to using this drug. The clinical trials did show a rare side effect of bleeding or swelling in the brain, So patients will need regular brain scans. And also, this drug was studied on patients with early-stage Alzheimer's symptoms, but the FDA approved it for anyone of Alzheimer's. So it's yet to be seen the benefit to people with severe symptoms and if insurance companies or doctors will prescribe it for those patients. Man, when you brought up insurance companies, I was like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a whole thing where, like, people – this could be a very valuable medication and – Money might still be the problem. Oh, thank you, Cameron, because that's the second risk. Oh. <laughs> oh, you got me. Yes, that's the second issue. It's pretty costly to use. So patients on this treatment would receive the drug in monthly infusions. And the makers of the drug, Biogen, have said that for a patient of average U.S. weight and mild cognitive impairment, the annual cost of doses would be about $56,000. So that's a huge number. And yet the sad thing to me is how I immediately thought that's not actually that bad considering <laughs> the cost of many drugs in America. Right. <laughs> right. And like, that sad. is an absurd amount of money. That is a person's <laughs> salary in uh, the United States. And yet that is also like because of drug companies and insurance companies, not that bad. And I hate that that dichotomy exists. Yes. 
And now this price could be lower with discounts and rebates, but that's still a lot for patients and insurance companies to cover. Why are you laughing? Because I'm just imagining you having to go to your doctor and be like, I have this coupon for free life-saving Alzheimer's medication. I mean, you laugh. That's kind of how this stuff works. No, that's why I'm sad, because that's not a joke. It just affects just life. Oh, no. America, fix your... Okay, and... And some preliminary estimates think patients could expect to pay about 11500 annually after what insurance covers. We're going to pretend like that's not a like life-changing amount of money for a lot of people in America. That's $11,000? Yeah. I'm not going to find $11,000. We can round up to $12,000. That's still a lot. I mean, some people could live a whole year off that amount of money. That's insane. I, and this is like life – like this is yearly. This is an annual cost. Oh, and I'm going to throw in another caveat to this because most patients with Alzheimer's are over 65, and so they're on Medicare. So that's also a lot for the government to cover and could be a strain on Medicare resources. That cost isn't even adding in the brain scans used to diagnose for Alzheimer's and the subsequent scans needed to detect brain bleeds, which aren't covered by Medicare. I still think that for the most part, brain scans are this weird thing where, like, they shouldn't be as expensive as they are. I get you need to, like, buy and run and maintain the equipment, but there's no reason that an MRI should cost, like, multitudes in one place and it does the other when you have the same machine. I mean, that that would open a whole can of worms of pricing of procedures and medicine in the U.S. That's, and how it is absurd. That's right, listener. We tricked you. You thought this was going to be about Alzheimer's medication, but it's also about the declining <laughs> health market based on for-profit insurance companies in the United States. Joke's on the, you. The whole system is just insane because the price, it's like it's like feeding off each other for everything to just blow up to be expensive because like the price of procedures have to be super expensive because you want to get money from insurance companies, but also you want to make sure like you cover other things and it's just weird. And then medicine, it's like, oh, we need to make money. So we need to cover the cost. That's really expensive to doing these trials. But also we just really want to make money because we're a company. And so they're going to charge a bunch. And it's just like uh, everything just feeds into each other and everything's expensive. And we're getting some good old fashioned macro capitalist economics. Chris. All right. But we're not going to get into all that stuff this episode. Just remember one downside to this being approved is that this drug is costly to use. Okay. And the third bad thing about this drug being approved is that some worry this decision could lead the way for more drugs getting approved that don't have proper proof of effectiveness. So I'm going to read you a quote from Dr. Aaron Kesselheim, who was one of the experts on the board who resigned. Wait, that's a great name. That's just a good <laughs> – that's a great name. Okay, continue. All right, quote, I think there's a real danger considering this to be a one-off event. The approval of Aduhelm now sets a precedent for the treatment of future Alzheimer's disease drugs, as well as drug approvals more broadly and the amount of data they need. Ooh, you said my favorite word. You said precedent. (laughs) I mean, that like we talked about that a bunch of times on this. Like we literally, the last episode we talked about Purdue and was the Sackler family and precedent for yeah. if this happens, then like future families could do one off like we are covered forever from being sued and we get to just keep our pile of money. Yeah. I will add that 
FDA precedent and drug approval precedent is very different from like legal precedent in that it doesn't have the same kind of ironcladness to it. Like really the FDA could just change its mind, you know, in the yeah. future. I could understand the worry of people thinking, oh, if this drug gets approved, maybe in the future the FDA will be more lax about other drugs and that could erode trust in the FDA and the approval process. Something they're sadly on short supply of lately. You wouldn't think they would be. Now, part of the FDA approval of the drug is that Biogen has to conduct another clinical trial proving that this drug slows the progression of Alzheimer's and shows clinical improvement in patients. And if the study doesn't show a clinical improvement, then the FDA could withdraw its approval. However, some are concerned that it will be hard for Biogen to find enough people to volunteer for the study, knowing that they may be taking a placebo now that the drug is on the market and available to purchase. So it's unclear how long it will take for the study to be done. Yeah, I could definitely see if I was in a study where it's between taking a potentially life-saving drug and a sugar pill, and I found out that I could just go and get that life-saving drug just in case. I'd probably just want to go get it. Yeah, so it gets fuzzy on if they will have enough people recruited for the study and how long it will take. So we'll just have to see. And that's kind of where I wrap up this episode is we'll wait and see once this drug enters the market and people start using it out in the world, will it show an improvement in those of Alzheimer's or will it not? And the FDA will withdraw its approval of the medication. Yeah, I can't wait to see our follow-up episode where we find out how good or bad it did. And until then, where can we check the show notes to make sure that we know all about this cool drug and the ways it attacks beta amyloids? <laughs> all right. Well, if you would like to learn more about this topic or check out all of my sources, they are in the show notes. You can also find our fantastic editor, Scott, and his information in the show notes. He keeps us sounding buttery smooth even when whatever this noise is I'm hearing is <laughs> happening. So thank you, Scott, as always, for making us sound great. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please, if you have questions or thoughts or want to share an idea for a future episode, hit us up on social media. Yes, hit us up on Twitter at Sample Size Show, or you can email us at our email. All of that is in the show notes. Thanks, everyone. Make sure to take care of yourself and, if you can, someone else and all those other good things. All right, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.